Hello and welcome to a special presentation of The Grey Nado in partnership with Collective Horology. This episode is the first of a new concept for TGN that will allow us to collaborate with the people and the brands that we like to produce standalone special episodes that we can offer to all of our listeners. James, we're uh, pretty excited to introduce this format to TGN, wouldn't you say? Yeah, we sure are. It's been kind of a, a long time coming, kind of workshopping it. And, and this largely only exists because we haven't had a lot of success with ads in the past, especially because they, they always felt like kind of a break in the entertainment of the show itself. Even when it was one of our voice reading the ad copy, I just didn't like doing it. I didn't like the way it sounded. I liked it even less when I went to edit it later. Add into that the fact that the standard episodes of TGN are now entirely listener-supported, so that's your normal four episodes a month, and then the Q&A, and we figured it was best to try something kind of more, a bonus episode uh, brought to you by a special sponsor. As such, this episode is brought to you by Collective Horology, and we're thrilled to introduce Asher Rapkin, who is one of the founders of Collective. Welcome, Asher. How's it going? Hey, guys. It is really, really nice to be here. And I have to say, um, I'm excited for you in this format in particular. I've spent 22 years of my life working in advertising, so uh, (laughs) that could be a fun conversation on its own. (laughs) You know, we touched base back at Wind Up Chicago. And you guys had kind of an interesting collaboration, which as of the moment this episode is available, you can go to collectiveforology.com and actually see the new watch, a collab with Armin Strom. And we're going to get into a bunch of details about that. And you guys want to do some ads. And we kind of said like, nah, we don't do ads. And then you're like, well, what do you do? And that kind of led us down this road. You know, I think of it like a, the, the Colgate hour, if you remember from the 50s. <laughs> uh, but instead of the Colgate hour for this time, it's, you know, it's it's the collective horology hour. And it's a special presentation from you guys. So uh, we get to talk a little bit about what you guys have going on. And then we're going to have a, a really fun draft. And, and to say really fun, I'm like legitimately excited because, you know, when Jason and I draft watches, it'll be your one watch option, your watch is under $1,000, your maybe a dream collection or something like that. And this is just... Yeah, this blows the roof off. Yeah, full on like uh, (laughs) we said, high-end watchmaking with an adventurous spirit. But I do think that the kind of natural place to start is there's probably a chance that there's some folks in our audience that don't know Collective Horology really well. Uh, Do you want to give us a little bit of background on how it started and, and the kind of special thing that you guys bring to watch enthusiasm? Yeah, totally. So my partner and uh, my oldest and my best friend, Gabe, um, we founded this company in 2018 and released our first watch in 2019 around the idea that uh, we wanted to create collaborations for enthusiasts. And um, over the last three years or so, we've uh, we've done that, releasing a wide range of watches uh, at all various different price points with all manner of different makers, um, all held together by really two things, um, a desire to use watchmaking as a canvas for storytelling and to uh, expand everybody's horizons. Um, and I don't mean that facetiously because obviously everybody you know, uh, goes on their own watchmaking journey, but our hope is that we can open people's eyes to new watches and new makers that they may never have uh, considered before. So as such, uh, we create collaborations in partnership with brands that we admire. And that's everybody from Zenith to Josh Shapiro, an American watchmaker, most recently IWC, one of my most uh, admired brands, Urwerk, and now um, a brand that um, I'm madly in love with, uh, Armin Strom. And each of these watches are available first to folks that we call members, who are people who participate in our community, who are folks who have invested in a collective watch in the past, as well as new members that want to join and are interested to find out what we will be making in the future. So that's what we do. It's grown, I think, from a passion project for Gabe and I into um, literally what we we go to bed thinking about, what we wake up thinking about. 
which is um, probably not all that different from the way most collectors approach watch collecting. I mean, it's it's pretty similar to the way that what's happened with TGN for Jason and I. This was something we kind of did to fill a day or to have something out in the world and because we like chatting with each other and it's become something really cool with kind of a, a really fun group of people behind it. And I think they'll connect with uh, with the watches I know. I met you and Gabe quite a long time ago. It would have been, when did the Zenith come out? It was mid-2019? It was. It was, it was fall of 2019. And that was my first time coming into the Houdinki offices, which, you know, as somebody, I mean, I, I grew up watch collecting, you know, just at the end of the forum age um, and mm-hmm. just at the beginning of, um, you know, the growth of like mainstream watch media. Uh, so yeah, you know, going up, the, going up the stairs and knocking on the door and there's the little H and the whole thing, you know, it's, uh, it was cool. It was, it was incredible to go in there. <laughs> it's always nice to see you and Gabe whenever we manage to be in the same part of the world at the same time. Usually that, that seems like it's Geneva. And then, of course, if being 2019, there was a big break there. So, you know, we got to catch up earlier this year and then again to, to see you pop up in um, in Chicago with Wind Up. And you were just at uh, Wind Up New York, right? We were. And actually, you're reminding me, you pointed Gabe and I when we bumped into you in Geneva to the coolest watch that I saw um, that I believe you said was one of the coolest watches you saw, which was that absolutely bonkers Van Cleef and Arpels um automaton the, oh, yeah. the flower the automaton the garden oh, flower one yeah, yeah. Wow. incredible so big thank you for turning me on to that so uh so asher you know i mean until until you guys at uh, collective come out with your your van cleef uh, uh <laughs> collaboration um let, let's let's talk let's talk a little bit about the uh, the armin strom collaboration because it's sure. it's a really cool piece and i think when you showed it to us you know you'd mentioned that that you kind of felt like this is a watch that that was along the lines of a TGN thing, you know, like something we might appreciate. And certainly it is. It's, it's mm-hmm. a really cool piece. First of all, why don't you tell us a little bit why you partnered with them, how that came about, and, and then kind of get into the nitty gritty about the, the watch itself, you know, its specs and, and special elements. Totally. So I, I became aware of Armin Strom a couple of years ago, and um, I went in, I think, as somebody who is a little bit of a complication nerd. So I was attracted to their resonance watches, which... Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think that you know, I think that's kind of what gets a lot of people's attention with them. But um, it was outside my price range, and you know, as as so many things in watches are, so I you know, kind of just filed it away and, and was watching. And over the years, um, I became more and more curious about what they were doing because what I realized is that Armin Strom is one of those manufacturers that forces you to rethink the way that you look at hotelology. You know, uh, for me, hotelology has often been defined as like incredible, high complications, ludicrously well finished watches. And that's certainly true of what you can find with Armin Strom, but it's it's almost inverted in the sense that while it, while all their watches carry that, they're really focused in an incredibly nerdy technical way on on precision watchmaking in a way that that other high end watchmakers certainly pay attention to, but they they don't make it core to their their ethos in the way that Armin Strom does. The watch that we're going to talk about in a few minutes, the Gravity Equal Force, which is the platform on which we based um, our next collaboration, the P3, is so incredibly technically dorky. And I mean that in, in, in <laughs> with nothing but passion and love that it made me reapproach what attracts me to high-end horology. And that's on top of their unique aesthetic. I mean, anybody who's listening, if you are unfamiliar with Armin Strom, definitely, you know, do some Google image searching and check it out. You'll see the aesthetic of the company is, is incredibly distinct. Um, it's one of those few brands I think you can see a brand and if you you could see a watch and if you erased the marquee, you'd still identify the watch as an Armin Strom. And then on top of it, I know this may not necessarily matter in you know to everybody, but they're just genuinely lovely human beings. And when you have the opportunity to collaborate with someone creatively, 
it's not just about the, the strength of the brand or how cool the watches are or the technical or aesthetic abilities. It, it's also how much you actually enjoy working with them. So you saw the gravity equal force um, initially as a, as a watch that you admired, and then you approached Armstrong and, and said, hey, could we do a special edition of that that watch particularly? N- not exactly. So I actually bought a gravity equal force two years ago from um, a good friend of mine, uh, Pietro, who owns a company called The Limited Edition, which if you're not familiar with, by the way, is a retailer out in the UK who is just, if you want to go down the independent rabbit hole, I don't know of anyone better. Not only is Pietro mm-hmm. a cool dude, uh, the breadth of his stock is incredible. And um, he did a piece, actually, a, a limited a limited edition, if you will, with um, Armin Strom that I really was attracted to. Uh, and I, I bought it from him. And I fell in love with the watch. And uh, that was kind of what pushed us over the edge to approach them. We generally don't approach a brand and say, we want to work with a specific platform or specific watch. We try to have the the concept lead us to what watch to work with rather than doing it the other way around. We've tried it that way, but it can be a limiting factor, frankly, if you go and say, we want to make, you know, the best blank or we want to do X, Y, or Z, it, it, you, you're sort of automatically cutting yourself off at the knees. So when we approached them, we told them a bit about what we wanted to do and we offered some creative territory, which is how we work. We don't come with designs. We don't say, you know, please make this. We say, here are some creative areas and territories that we think would be rich and fun to explore. And then we allow the watchmakers to do their job and come back and propose designs that fit within the the vernacular of that brand on the platform that makes the most sense. So I think Gravity Equal Force made a lot of sense for the concept of what we built and also, you know, I think made sense for the parameters of what we wanted to bring to market because, you know, make no mistake, these are expensive watches. The watch that we did is $25,000, you know, so we wanted to also make sure that we were making something that was attainable, relatively speaking, within the Armstrong line as they make watches all the way up into six figures. So while we didn't specify a, a product, we did say, you know, we want to keep this watch at under X dollars. But we are open to which of the models in that price range would would do that. And and tell us, let, let's jump into the specifics about this yeah. particular watch. Um, tell us a little bit about the specs and kind of what you really like about it. Let's do that. Let's talk about the technology here, and then and then we can we can get into the the creative. So the thing that's particularly cool about Gravity Equal Force, and I'll add that if you are unfamiliar with, um, or if I'm doing a bad job of explaining this, you can go to the Armstrong YouTube channel and you will get a much better technical explanation. So I apologize in advance to any watchmakers listening to this. So the idea here is essentially to create a stopwork declutch mechanism that's built into the barrel, which essentially allows for more consistent energy as the mainspring unwinds. Now, I'll translate what that means. In essence... You have an automatic watch, and an automatic watch generally has a rotor, right? And that rotor winds the mainspring in the barrel, and that essentially provides the power necessary to sustain the watch. And as we all know, over time, as your watch winds down, there's less power that's provided to the watch, which can affect the accuracy of that watch. So that's why if your watch has 10% power left in the power reserve, it may not be as accurate as when it has 90% of power in the power reserve. So to address this, to ensure that anytime this watch is running, it is telling accurate time, there is a mechanism that's built into the barrel that will essentially stop the watch when there's not enough energy to keep it running at the most accurate spec. And there's sort of two benefits to that. One is this incredible pride of ownership where you now know that if your watch is running, it is going to be as accurate as possible. And two, 
Uh, it's a neat little trick when you pick the watch up and you haven't worn it in a few days. You don't actually need to fully wind it. All you need to do is give it a couple of turns so that once the watch starts, it won't essentially start running until it has enough power to be accurate. And then off you go on your day and the micro rotor will do the rest. So this is a technology which has never been paired with an automatic watch before. And it's distinct and uh, unique to Armin Strom. It's something that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I think really appeals to the incredibly nerdy watch guy inside of me. You know, just like everybody else, I think, in Watch World, where you're like, what do I want to do with 100 bucks? I'm going to go out and buy a time grapher. Heck yeah. <laughs> you know, this is, this is literally the watch that will, that will make you just giggle when you, when you start to explore in that world. And so that's what you started with as, as far as the base. And when you first showed us the watch, uh, a render sort of idea in in Chicago, I, I was really taken by some of the changes you had made to make the watch feel more in the realm of an adventure sort of sporty watch. Why don't you walk us through some of the changes you made for this limited edition? Yeah, so Collective is a company based out of Ventura County, California. And if you've never been to Ventura, we are uh, a, a hidden gem um, just south of Santa Barbara and just north of Los Angeles. So we're nowhere near as fancy as Malibu. And, uh, you know, we're not as uh, we're not as ritzy as Santa Barbara. We, we have a little bit of grit. And for those who are also unfamiliar in Ventura, we're very proud to ho- house the headquarters of Patagonia. And in fact, if you just go right out of my office and down the street for a mile, you'll get to the original Patagonia store. It's called the Pacific Ironworks. It's boss. Because of that, you tend to see people walking around here um, in Patagonia head to toe um, because so much of being in Southern California where we are is about living outdoors. And it's also a part of the aesthetics of where we live. So what we wanted to do was take a Haute Horology timepiece and reinterpret it through the lens of those who are passionate about technical and tactical outdoor gear. So that if you're wearing, you know, if you're wearing shorts and sneakers and, you know, you've got your, you know, you've got your Patagonia, you know, stash jacket in your back pocket as you head out into the woods, while this isn't a sports watch, by no means, it is a watch that would fit into that aesthetic. And that's the territory that I think really resonated with us and with Claude, who is also a massive outdoorsman and, and mountaineer. So we looked at a number of elements of inspiration. There's the the um, textiles uh, of all the kinds of clothing that we were just discussing. There's the kind of gear that I think, um, you know, I, I tend to carry when I go into the outdoors, pocket knives, et cetera. And, and then reinterpreting some of those textures, both as a textile, for example, like the strap, but also um, reinterpreting it through more traditional watchmaking technique like guilloche. So that led us to the P3. And the P3 is essentially a technical take on Armin Strom. And what is one of the things that is most awesome to me about this watch is, is the first time that we have completely, in partnership with a watchmaker, reinvented a watch from the ground up, from the case material to the caliber. So this watch uh, is 41 millimeters in titanium, which is a first for the gravity equal force. It features a base plate, which is made by Kari's factory, Comblemine, but um, is in a pattern that I think is probably highly recognizable to those who love outdoor gear. Um, while we wouldn't describe it when, when you talk to, to the factory this way, it's essentially a, a matte black frag pattern. And that matte black frag pattern serves as a background to the dial, which is a sunburst matte green dial with luminous numerals and battens that have been significantly upsized from what you would find on a traditional gravity equal force for legibility. What you'll also find are three bridges. And these three bridges uh, at what would traditionally be, say, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, and 4 o'clock on the watch, which um, are are signature element of the design of the gravity equal force, have been completely redesigned. They've been milled out 
with the second bridge um, having a bit of a dip to it. And the reason why is that this is a bit of a nod to some of our favorite knife makers and the way that they mill out the scales on their knives and the angles of the knife clip. And it's one of those little things that I, I like to I like to hope is not very on the nose, but a little bit of a nod to, you know, folks that that happen to love this kind of gear. If you've got a nice, a decent knife in your pocket, think about where your thumb hits the back of the of the spine. Sometimes I don't know if this is a term that someone told me, and it's like maybe a Canadian thing, but I've heard jimping. Oh yeah, and exactly. that looks it looks so similar on the bridges. Mm-hmm. It's it's a neat effect, and the watch is like subtle. It's not fancy or flashy, but then if you look at all these details, and please hit the show notes or. Visit uh, collectiveferology.com to see it. it. It comes together really nicely. I think the colors work well, but I get excited about stuff like jimping. It's, it's you know, it's <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do too. And actually, um, you know, when we when we were talking about this, like I sent a lot of references over to Claude, including one of my favorite knife makers, um, which is an American knife maker called Holt Bladeworks, make just absolutely beautiful, beautiful knives. You know, when we sent these over to Claude, you could see how excited he was getting. You know, because for me, like growing up a pocket knife was like a Swiss army knife, you know, like I didn't, I didn't really think about, about knives as an aesthetic vehicle or an artistic platform, if you will. The, uh, my boredom during, um, during the pandemic opened my eyes to that quite significantly, frankly. <laughs> um, and also, you know, I think if you approach knife collecting as a, as a watch collector, you're like, wow, this is cheap. <laughs> you know? yes, this is, I can have so many. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is so affordable. <laughs> um, so I, I went down that rabbit hole and that ultimately ended up leading us to, to this. And the final, the final element that I think is, is awesome about this watch is the finishing on, uh, if you look at the, the reverse side of the movement on, on the plates there. Traditionally, when you look at the finishing of a Armin Strom, you're going to see a lot of high-end um, uh, recognizable finishing, Geneva stripes, et cetera. And, and the finishing here is still excellent. But what is remarkable is that um, we dialed that back, or I should say Claude dialed that back with intent and purpose. And that's why you'll see milling. Uh, the, many of the bridges have been actually, or plates, excuse me, have been milled out, which is a little bit of a nod to Armin Strom, the original, like the man Armin Strom, who's known for skeletonizing watches, and then um, sandblasted. So there's a real technical feeling to the finishing that is intentional that you can see on the back of the movement here. While it wasn't drawn from this, uh, it is aligned to one of my other favorite watches, which is the 50 Fathoms Bathyscaphe which has a movement that um, is uh, very uh, uh, sedate in its finishing, but highly intentional. Mm-hmm. And I think Almost carries industrial. with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it just, it fits the vibe of the watch. Matched up on the strap, which we can of course get into. I think this is like uh, as close as I've come to an Armstrong where I just look at it and go like, Oh no, no, they like they, they, they found kind of a new zone. And you know, years ago, I want to say it was formula one 2016. I spent that a couple days in Austin with uh, Serge and Claude and got to know the company a little bit. And at the time, they were really trying to translate what they liked about Armstrong from what mm-hmm. Armstrong was already kind of had already established. So it was a lot of skeletonization. You had the big kind of case element at six uh, that had been kind of a classic piece of their design for a long time. And they were trying to figure out ways to push the watchmaking forward. And I feel like there's a certain maturity to this design that aligns with what I expected from these guys, that it wouldn't look out of place if you wanted to wear something from an independent brand like, like Armin Strom with a, a puffy jacket or, or something like that when you went to grab your coffee. Yeah. And I mean, look, to, to me, going back to the earlier point about why we did this in the first place, you know, I, I really do believe that watches are an incredible media for storytelling. Sometimes that's, that's, 
what history the watch has been imbued in or imbued with itself, right? Like I was lucky enough to get to handle that Explorer, um, that, you know, Marlon Brando's Explorer from the 2019 mm-hmm. auction, the one that he like carved, you know, the his name GMT the- master. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I was, you know, and, and like that, that watch is imbued with an incredible story by virtue of, of its, of its provenance, if you will. Whereas watches like this, you know, I, I hope, um, carry with them some degree of the maker's own interest and passion too. And, one of the anecdotes that I love most about this watch in general was about uh, two months ago or so. I emailed um, uh, Claude asking to see um, asking to see the final uh, the final movement shot before he cased it up to send us the the, the final prototype. And I received a one line email from him, which I will edit um, for the family listeners on the on on the call, which <laughs> essentially said, "Dear Asher, this watch is beep excellent." And I was like, you know, I love that because that's just not. That's not the general method of communication that one is used to <laughs> when dealing <For> with, sure. <laughs> with watchmakers. So, um, you know, it, it's just their excitement and their passion is contagious. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think this is a, a very interesting project. And I'm, I'm really kind of thrilled that you thought that we, we would be an, an interesting vehicle for talking about it. 30 pieces, $25,000 mm-hmm. a piece. And obviously we can get to the draft. I think now we've set the set the vibe of like, you know, interesting watches that have sort of a sporty appeal, a, a sense of adventure. But everyone uh, listening, they should just go to collectiveferology.com and check it out. Absolutely. If you uh, come to our site today, um, not only can you read all about it, you can see all of uh, the content that we produce, that Armstrong has made, and that our friend Adrian Barker has also done, which I would actually encourage you to watch if, if you have a second, because one of the things that's also highly appealing about Armstrong is that there's all this talk about, you know, like, oh, it's in, you know, in-house movements and in-house this, that, and the other thing. But the, the reality is, and I can't recall who said this to me, but uh, you know who it was? I think it was Ricky from Scottish Watches. He was like, if you if you gave a child a crayon and asked them to draw a factory, like what would come out is is the way Armin Strom is set up. It's like, this is the room where people make things. This is the room where they design them. This is the room where they make the cases, et cetera, you know? And you really, you really see that come to life where it's literally everything from the cases to the screws to the bridges, you know, they are making it themselves. They're designing it themselves. They are engineering it themselves there. So if you have a second, check that video out too. Um, not only do you get to, to hear from Claude and Serge, but you also get to see this incredible factory and, and what they're doing at their manufacture, bringing these watches to life. It's just neat. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll include that link in the show notes, of course. So if, um, if you got this surprise episode in your email, go back to your email and you can click through all those notes and everything uh, should be simple enough. Uh, look, before we get into the draft, I think we should do a wrist check, see what everybody's <laughs> got on. Just because I'm not sure, I, I can't quite tell from the Zoom if you have the new PO3 on. It looked like someone with more of a bright dial. But Asher, how about you go first? Let us know what you've got on wrist. Totally. As someone who is a longtime listener of TGN, that was the hardest choice. Like, <laughs> what do I wear? We're tough to impress. Seriously. So I'm, so I was like, the hell with it. I'll just wear something I love. So um, I'm wearing a watch made by one of my favorite humans in the watch world, uh, Nicholas Bowman Scargill, the, um, the fourth managing director of Fears Watches out of England. Mm-hmm. And I am wearing... Um, a collaboration that he did with um, Topper Fine Jewelers um, a few months ago. So I'm wearing the Topper um, Brunswick 40. Um, Nicholas uh, just released new um, new Brunswick 40s um, a, a few a few weeks ago. I, full disclosure: I am also an authorized dealer of Fears, so don't want anyone <laughs> to think that I'm that I'm pumping it one way or the other. It's just I love the guy and I love the watches. And this one in particular with the California dial, it's a, it's a beautiful white lacquer with luminous indices, um, oh, the man. first 
Yeah, it's, I'm pretty sure it's the first watch he's ever done with Loom. And I'm like, California dial, 40 millimeters, waterproof. Rob Kaplan's one of my best friends. Rob's great. Nicholas is a good dude. Yeah, it's like, this is too perfect. So that's what I've got on. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. We've been hearing a ton about Fears, eh, Jason? Yeah, I, I really admire what Fears does. I kind of watch them from a distance on social media. And and, and I know we have mutual friends. Uh, Don from Vertex is a good uh, yeah. of uh of Nicholas's and I, I'm just not at heart kind of a, a dress watch guy. And yet whenever I see a fears, I'm like, maybe that's the one that might like get me wearing a dress watch more often. Cause I, I really like most of his designs and, and the Brunswick is, as you said, kind of his most sporty endeavor here to date, I think. And uh, that one really calls my name. That's cool. That makes me happy to hear. Yeah, it was the same thing for Gabe, by the way. Gabe is like the hardcore tool watch guy amongst the two of us. And he wears a salmon Brunswick. And this was before we ever picked oh, him wow. up as an AD. We were just like, it's just a cool watch. Yeah. Very cool. Jason, what do you got on wrist? Well, in light of today's, uh, as we're recording this, um, today's announcement of the Deep Sea Challenge with Rolex, I, I pulled out my uh, my Rolex diver. I've got my uh, 14060 uh, Submariner. This was uh, my 40th birthday gift. So it's, uh, well, I'm not going to say how old it is now, but <laughs> people can do the math. Far shallower than, than the Deep Sea Challenge, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I just thought, you know, I hadn't worn it in months. It was kind of time to pull out the Rolex. So maybe a boring choice, but it's a two liner or four liner. Yeah, this is a two liner. Yeah. Nice. This was the one forty sixty M got it new from a retailer back in what year would that have been? Uh, 2010. Um, and they had had it in their case for a few years already just unworn. So, um, it's, uh, I believe a Z series, uh, reference number. So, or a serial number. So, I mean, drilled lugs, you know, nice thin case, aluminum bezel insert. I mean, it's just, it's such a perfect watch. Yeah. Yeah, Shut so. up and play the hits. Yeah, right. <laughs> James, how about you? What are you what are you wearing? Yeah, you know, I've spent the last couple of days, let's be honest, the last couple of weeks, like looking over ludicrously high-end, hilarious, awesome, complicated sport watches and, and watches that kind of blend elements of the sporty world and otherwise. And and it was just making me happy. And I think it was in that mood I stuck with a watch that's been making me very happy for the last little while. And it's a very humble watch that uh actually I'm becoming a little bit of a broken record on. It's the uh, Scurfa MS twenty two. Lovely. I'm wearing it on this canvas. Uh, I have, I have a couple of the like the CNS, the uh, cheap NATO straps, um, like paratrooper style. But they do a different version now that they say is more comfortable. So I bought that a couple of those for you know four or five dollars. Right. Yeah, I'm 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 kind of obsessed. Uh, I like it a lot. The obviously the accuracy, the quartz is cool, um, but it's super just really nice and wearable. There's you know we did a whole episode last week about titanium watches and how. I think, Jason, you said it, and I've been editing the episode today, so I was kind of doubling down on the info, but there is this cool thing that happens when titanium is used on a watch that's already a normal size, whether it be a 40-millimeter Scurfa or a 41-millimeter Armandstrom. Like, normally we're used to seeing it on giant Seikos, huge citizens, you know, titanium ploprofs. And like, sure, it makes up for the fact that the watch is, it helps make up for some of the fact that the watch is huge, but it also doesn't give you all the tangential benefits of having a normal size watch that's also so light. Uh, so at 40 millimeters, yeah, I, I'm just having trouble finding any reason to take it off my wrist. <laughs> so I'm, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Oh, that's great. It makes me want to go put on mine. I just just you talking about it just makes me smile. I love that watch. Yeah. Asher, if you don't own a Scurfa yet, yeah, you don't like, know what you're missing. Like, guys, I need to go buy something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, out of England, we had him on the show, uh, man, at this point I can say years ago, right, Jason? It's got to be a year and a half, years two years ago. ago. Yeah. Uh, Paul Scurfield, a uh, commercial diver who started this brand, and, and you know, he'll sell you, what's a titanium diver one? 250 bucks? 
Yeah. I mean, crazy. And the, the quality is so good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, di- I'm digging this D100, uh, this D1500 gloss orange. Yeah, they do some cool stuff. The Treasure Seeker stuff is cool. The topside stuff is rad. They're, yeah. they're almost impulse buys. I mean, they really could be. You, you know, you have a bourbon in the night, and maybe you know, you're feeling a little loose, and you pull out your wallet, and you, there, there it is. It's there guys, a week later. Uh, you know? Do you guys remember, uh, um, and maybe this is a little too tech nerdy, but um, uh, Google used to have this thing called Google Labs um, where they would test out all these various products for um, for Gmail and, and other things you could opt into. You know what I'm talking about? Vaguely. Of course. Okay, so they had one one thing which I always appreciated and really, frankly, should be reinvented for the drunk watch purchase, which is called beer goggles. And the idea <laughs> sure. essentially was that, and I guess this, this sort of predates, like, you know, I, I suppose texting to a degree. But the idea was if you were if you were sending an email between set hours, let's say 10 p.m. to 6 p.m. or 6 a.m., you had to answer a number of math problems before you could actually send the email. <laughs> so, you know, if you're oh, like, you know, oh, yeah. my God, I'm, I'm, hate, I'm hate typing this. And then it's like, OK, well, you know, what is the square root of this? You're like, ah, the heck with this. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this is made for like late night watch purchases. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you need beer goggles. My uh my favorite for years, and I, I try to stick to it. I do my best unless I really know I need the item, but the it was the twenty four hour Amazon rule. Oh. oh. So if you if you want something on Amazon, put it in your cart, but you can't buy it for twenty four hours. Yeah. And ha- <laughs> and like not half the time, like eighty five percent of the time I'd come back and go, I don't need to spend twenty eight dollars on this. So this is what my wife does. She just drops like everything into the shopping cart, <laughs> which then forces me to not actually be able to buy anything because I'd have to either buy everything in the cart or just or like delete everything and go to the process of re-adding. Save for later. Save for later. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, there you go. R- random insight into my <laughs> my marital reality. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's fun. Yeah. All right. Well, now that we've gotten our frivolities out of the way, I think it's time to get onto the serious matter of the draft in uh, high end watches with an adventurous spirit. James, you want to walk us through kind of the rules of our very serious endeavor here? Absolutely. Yeah, it couldn't be more serious a draft. (laughs) Uh, We're each going to pick three watches. So there'll be nine total. Once a watch has been picked, it's off the list in the event that we're all thinking the same thing about certain watches. And because it's a collective horology presentation, I'm going to let Asher pick the order. It's a serpentine draft. So it'll be one, two, three, three, two, one, back and forth until we've got nine picks. I guarantee we're going to see some crazy stuff come out in this draft, which is kind of what I really like about doing silly watch drafts. So uh, Asher, uh, you can pick the order. You want to go first, you can. Obviously, one and three get you in the hot corner. You get two in a row. So uh, let <laughs> us know, and uh, and then we'll get started. Sure. Well, I'm a Curb Your Enthusiasm fan, and Larry says middling is the hardest, so I'll go in the <laughs> middle. Oh. oh, wow. So, Jason, you first. James, uh, you can follow me. Hot corner. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> okay, Jason, first pick for you in the high-end watches with a sense of adventure draft. Let's uh, Let's do it. Let's get into the fun stuff. All right, I had one that I was going to lead off with, and I'm throwing it out the window. I'm going to actually start with my what was going to be my number two pick because I, th- I think it kind of fits with what we've been talking about today. This is, uh, hopefully this is a surprise for you guys coming from me. This is the Chapek Antarctique Chronograph, Rotropont Ice Blue. Yeah, I saw this and shot it in in, uh, in whenever Watches, oh. Watches and Wonders was. <laughs> I can't remember. I'm, I'm, Jealous that you got to handle one of these because I think they're just such handsome watches. So Chopek mm-hmm. is a brand that we, I don't think the name has ever come up on TGN. I think I've never actually spoken the name <laughs> out loud and wasn't that familiar to me. But, you know, I've, I've seen kind of the stories about them and, and seen photos and, and I just think it's such a handsome piece. So Chopek, the, the name comes from um, a Polish emigre to Switzerland who um, had partnered way back in the 1800s with um, Patek. Uh, before Patek, uh, they split up and Patek founded Patek Philippe. 
and then the company sort of just went away in the late 1800s and and um, the the brand was revived in in 2010 and they they started making a few watches and I I don't think it's a stretch to say that the their Antarctique uh, is kind of the platform that that people seem to really gravitate towards and has kind of put them back on the map so to speak and um, you know for one thing I just love the name uh, that kind of drew me mm-hmm. to it and I was kind of curious where did this all come from but then I started looking at this at this kind of latest watch which was an official nomination for the GPHG awards and you know it, it kind of follows the suit of these sort of integrated bracelet sports watches um but then you have this this open work dial with with the the split seconds complication and there's just a lot of color and kind of funky stuff going on here and and then to top it off this is a, a watch that's in a 42 and a half millimeter stainless steel case um it's got a really impressive water resistance of 120 meters so mm-hmm. like you know you can you can do stuff with this watch and I, I've always loved the split seconds complication and it's a mono pusher so that you've got a pusher on the right side of the case to start, stop and reset. And then on the left side, of course, you have the split seconds pusher to, um, you know, do your lap timing, so to speak. And it's a 60 hours power reserve. This is a watch that was developed by Chopek with uh, Chronode, which is the, the company's manufacturing partner. It's run by uh, Jean-Francois Mojon. You know, it, it certainly has the vibes of, what you might consider like an ingenieur or a Royal Oak or something like that. But I think they kind of have their own design language and I don't know, it's a really dynamic, beautiful watch. I think uh, it's really high domed crystal. I'd love to see this thing on my wrist and you know, it's 50,000 Swiss francs. So, you know, a little outside my budget, but Hey, um, I think it's not as astronomically expensive as, as actually what I expected for something like this. What do you guys think? Speaking of brands that, that are owned by really lovely people, Chappic definitely is is in that category. Yeah. Huh. Super, super cool humans. But the th- one thing that I love about that brand in particular, too, is how transparent they are about their suppliers, which is like not common at all. But they are extremely proud of working with Chronode or working with any number of other companies that that help make their watches come to life. I just think it's so cool that that they that they bring that out, you know, as an acknowledgement. Most people don't, frankly. And uh, I don't know. I, I just I find that I find that that curtain that curtain being pulled back is a really neat thing for enthusiasts. Yeah, yeah. And and what do you think of my watch? You like I mean, <laughs> if we're playing with funny money <laughs> yeah. here, sign me up. Uh, I had the chance to uh I had the chance to try it on at watch time um a couple weeks ago and yeah. that watch is so great. <laughs> <laughs> James, would you wear this one? Yeah, I, I love that pick. And Jason, I had no idea that's the direction you're going. I'm thrilled. <laughs> Great first pick. <laughs> Good. Well, I'm glad I surprised you because, yeah. But now I got to sit back and wait for you guys to steal my other picks. But a lot uh, of picks. I'll take my chances. All right, Asher, your turn. Well, it occurred to me the last time I was on a pod with you, Jason, was with Jeremy for Blamo. And I yeah. mentioned one of my one of my favorite left turns uh, in watch collecting, a brand that I really like. So I figure might as well start with that. I'm going to throw out the Ulysse Nardin Diver Chronometer, and it's uh, the 185-173 Blue. If you are Mm. not familiar with this watch, this watch is super bizarre and totally rad. It is a blue DLC diver with a gold bezel. So it is two-tone in a manner of speaking, except I've never in my life seen a a blue and gold watch. Shout out, by the way, to uh, Jimmy from uh, Feldmar, who showed this watch to me for the very first time. I was like, you should see this. And I was like, that looks blue. What is this? <laughs> and dove into it. But I think w- what's neat about this is I love the way UN reinterprets the diver. Like, I don't dive. I can't imagine anybody does dive with these. I suppose you could. 
But if you're like me who like, I dig the diver aesthetic, yeah. <laughs> but I'm not like, you know, I'm not looking for like a hardcore tool watch to try and convince myself that I could do anything more than snorkel. This, this fits that, that aesthetic. It also has in their in-house caliber. For years, I used to kind of scratch my head about that unusual uh, strap construction, you know, with the little titanium insert. Super comfy is, though, right? It's so comfy. It's, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's yeah. one of those things where I never really fully understood it until I tried on a UN diver. And now I, I genuinely love them. I realize that like, you know, it, they, they may not be at the top of everybody's list, but I get a serious kick out of these. And generally, uh, when I see somebody wearing one of the limiteds, like the, like the, there was a, a one recently that was, that was also pretty cool. The, um, I think it was a great, it was a tribute to like the great white sharks mm-hmm. and it was, it's like a beautiful white dial. that's like super textured. It's really neat. So I just, I love mm-hmm. what these guys do. The watchmaking is there. The creativity is there. And it's just an aesthetic that I've I've never really come across anywhere else. So it's it's a like it or hate it kind of thing. But you can't deny that they're doing something interesting and different. And uh, I just find that really appealing. That's a great pick. Yeah, forty four millimeter case, thirteen thousand seven hundred dollars. What I like about these, and and I've seen the maybe not the great white one. I want to say it was a uh, tiger shark. Or a hammerhead version, the, or the lemon shark? Maybe the lemon shark. The lemon shark is a boss. Oh, man, I should. <laughs> yeah. have on my list. That's a, good <laughs> a friend of a friend just had it on his wrist. Found out I like watches. He's like, "Have you seen one of these?" I'm like, "No." He's like, "I kept breaking other watches, so I wear this one." <laughs> the guy's a gen, like a high end general contractor. Just beats the hell out of his watches, yeah. and yeah. this is what he liked. It, and he had a big wrist. He's a big dude, so like the 44 looked perfect on him. He was thrilled about it. Took it off, gave it to me. Beautifully finished watch. And I like that they have just a little bit of like the sweet era of the Aqua Timer to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like the 2002 to say 2008 Aqua Timers. Nice, clear, stark, not vintage inspired. They do it well. Yep. This was a brand that I never paid much attention to when it came to their their dive watches or watches in general. And then they have the Marine Torpier and they've got some really interesting, like really high-end complication stuff. And and then I was in Bermuda with them for the... Um, the America's Cup a few years back and and I had a chance to go out diving one day and they the CEO of the company just took his diver off his wrist and gave it to me and said, just wear mine for the day. And I went and diving That's a boss with move. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, and, and it sold me. I mean, talk about a great move. I mean, it was it was great. And and I, I've really grown to like them. They're cool watches. Yeah, absolutely. Right on. Great pick. Thanks, Solid pick, pick for the second one. So that's the uh Ulysses Narden diver forty four millimeter. Uh, yeah, in, in in that blue gold coloring, I have to agree. I don't think I don't think I know of another one that that combined those two sort of finishes. I've uh, I've gone off the deep end with my first pick. I hope I hope you guys are ready for this. So we're talking Audemars Piguet. It's the Royal Oak Offshore Perpetual Calendar in titanium. Woo! Woo! <laughs> it's the two five eight five four Ti. I've been thinking about these a lot. So imagine you take uh, the movement from a 2554, uh, well, the, the generation later that has the leap year indication, and put it in, a in at the time, what they considered to be a huge gargantuan 42 millimeter <laughs> titanium case. And then for me, it has a, a white uh, tapisserie dial with black dial furniture, which is my sweet spot as far as they go. So uh, it'll be in the show notes, of course, if you don't know this watch. Uh, introduced around 2003, all titanium. I love the idea that they they took their sportiest watch and they put their like most difficult, finicky movement and then combined the two. And they were like, look, it's huge. We know 42 millimeters, sorry. And the watch for me, like I, I just think it's one of the coolest things out there. And again, that's the 25854 Ti. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've been obsessed with these for a little while. They're they're nutty. 
how long do you need to be underwater for this complication to pay off? <laughs> I don't even know what the water resistance is, if I'm <laughs> honest. I mean, like, it's probably, you could go underwater, I guess, right? But, uh, I, I mean, it, it's, you know, to do the chrono and the QP, I love it. It's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, this is for some future undersea society, you know, that, that the rich get to live in first. It, it, or definitely, like definitely. Oh, it's for the guy definitely who owns the boat. Yeah, and the small, the yeah. small... <laughs> The small country that he docks the boat yeah. at occasionally, for sure. Uh, someday, I think these could turn around and, and kind of have a little, bit of a little bit of a rerun, but my doubt is they made very many. Cool. All right, now do you get to go again? I do, yeah. That, that's how the hot corner works, baby. <laughs> Lucky. So this is a tough one, because not only do I have an awesome list of picks here, but it means that I'm kind of also picking, theoretically, what my third will be by picking my second. And... I'm been, I was super tempted and even chatting with Jason about the draft to go with something very kind of attached to what I talk about on the show when I talk about higher end watches with a complication. But I wanted to pivot a little bit. I'm not pivoting super far, but I wanted to I wanted to stay in what I think was and Asher, you can by all means correct me, tell me I'm dead okay. wrong, but a little bit closer to the inspiration of the PO three four collective. Ooh. And that's the new Patek Calatrava fifty three twenty six annual calendar travel time. So instead of just going with the 5164A, which is my literal dream watch, I feel like the white gold, the the kind of the the texture on the dial, almost like they made the highest end field watch possible. <laughs> this is a watch that like I didn't get to see in person because of COVID reasons. There's only two people from Hodinkee were allowed to go to that meeting and that wasn't me. We didn't need photos that time, which is usually how I sneak my way into these meetings. And... So I didn't get to see it in person, and I haven't seen the standard, the time only uh, Calatrava mm-hmm. or the time date Calatrava field watch, quote unquote. Uh, but this one really speaks to me because if you look at it, it's essentially the aesthetic of a Hamilton khaki, <laughs> just elevated as far as they could in a white gold case yeah. with two of my favorite complications. Annual calendars, I think, are very special. They're deeply Patek. It was theirs. They made it first in 1996. And then the travel time, which is my favorite complication in um, in in sort of watches in general, and certainly from Patek. So that that's my second pick. I, I was very tempted to go fifty one sixty four A, but uh, instead it's going to be the rather lovely fifty three twenty six G. Didn't you say that the fifty? I feel like I read an article that you wrote once that that was it was about the fifty one sixty four R. I'm just curious mm-hmm. if someone did like let's like it's all funny money, right? Let's say somebody did actually offer you a fifty one sixty four A versus an R. What would you do? My problem is the R, and this is where you get into, I can be really picky even with funny money. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't love the brown dial. It's too brown. The, the, the absolute dream, if I you know, lotteried out tomorrow or whatever, would be a 5164A with the green, the, uh, green strap, yeah, the green rubber. I, I would have gone 5164. I think it's a little more in line with kind of sporting intentions, if that's kind of our angle here. Um, but I get it. I like this watch a lot. I love the, I love the texture on the case band. I, that 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 dial is just bewitching. I haven't seen one in person, but like their 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 videos and photos on the site just show it really close up, and it has that really beautiful, almost like I don't know if this is a compliment, like an asphalt texture to it, <laughs> and it it just looks great. And of course, like paddock movements are beautiful. So no, I think this is a good pick. This is a beautiful yeah. watch. It, 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 and I'm I'm just thinking about what you're saying earlier. I'm like, if the Hamilton is for a take is for a hike, like this one is definitely for the fox hunt. You know, the fox hunt like a like a yeah. really baller pick. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, not a field right? watch; yeah. it's an estate right. watch. Right. I'm in I'm in the field, yeah. but like, 
I need yeah. to be near like a triple cream brew <laughs> and, uh, you know, a, a very good bottle of, uh, of, of something yeah. bubbly and that sort of thing. So, right. which I'm right. not against either. I like the field for sure, but also, you know, yeah, give me, give me a picnic every now and then too. Fair. Yeah. They're, they're, they make some great stuff, but anything with the travel time, just like go nuts. And then, you know, I wanted to try and follow the, the spirit of the PO3 where adding certain elements and textures and that sort of thing. And I think that Patek kind of did it in a similar fashion within their own world with, uh, with this white gold Calatrava. Well, well, if, uh, if you're listening, Terry, we're, we're very happy to work with you. So you just let us know. <laughs> he's a big fan. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. yeah no, he's never missed an episode. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, right. All right. Asher, it's your second pick. Cool. I'm gonna take us in a totally wacky direction. I like it. One of my favorite watchmakers making a totally awesome watch I'm going to throw out the Resonance Type 5 Diver. Oh, oh yeah. That yeah. is a great, great pick. pick. <laughs> Thank you. I love this. I mean, I, look, I love Resonance to begin <laughs> oh, with. Like, I, you know, you, you, this falls into that category again of like, love it, hate it. It does, Like, there is nothing like a Resonance out there. And the Diver yeah. in particular, it's like a lesson that I learned, you know, whenever I looked at, started looking at like higher end watches as a collector is never ever ever spend your money on the on like the cheapest from from somebody like the most affordable entry level wait until you can you know you have access to you know like the highly complicated piece or whatever it is that really attracted you you know it's like don't buy the saxonia thin you know what i mean like wait for the wait for the longer one <laughs> and and for me it's like this that's it with resonance where it's like the type 1 is just is an amazing expression of design but the watch i always wanted mm-hmm. was the type 5 and yeah i don't have this watch someday i hope to have this watch they're so cool they're so neat. I've played with them so many times. They they like have this like intense density to them when you pick them up, even though they're really lightweight. They are ludicrously legible. You know, they look to me, and again, I'll preface by saying like I am not a diver, but to me, they look like what a future interpretation of like diving gear could look like. Like it's just they manage to nail this 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 vanguard aesthetic while still feeling super tooly. It's just it's just cool. It's just cool. If they remade the Abyss now, yeah, that's what they would wear. Someone would have one of these on their wrist, right? Yeah, right, right. Totally. <laughs> so, Jason, have you spent time with one of these back in the day? No, I, well, only at Basel World, right? That's the only place I've seen it, and it, it's it's just cool. I mean, I think that the the oil filled case allowing for that completely perfect view of the dial from any angle is, is, is remarkable. I mean, you hear about it. I mean, we've seen that with what this, the Zen UX mm-hmm. and maybe one or two other watches in the past, but to see it on this watch with that just crazy display, it's almost like you're looking at some kind of an LCD or something, you know, it's just, it's just from what I understand from people who own resonance watches, they get asked very regularly if, if it's some sort of a like, uh, you know, <laughs> is it real? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Is it real? Is that some sort of a smartwatch, et cetera? Um, it's, it's so cool. And that's a compliment to them. I mean, I think it's just awesome. But I, I have to say, I was looking at, I'm looking at their website right now at this watch, and and it says, "Unlock the gentleman diver in you." So I think <laughs> I think that that captures the kind of the vibe of what we're after here, anyways. Perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Man, great pick. What a cool watch. Yeah. That was that was on my list, but I definitely thought I could have it as a ringer for for round three. <laughs> All right, Jason. I'm I'm loving these picks because it's like like it's, this is funny money, but it's like it's something so out of our, <laughs> our norm mm-hmm. here, and it's just it's just fun to like just totally dream. All right, my second pick is one that's probably a little more predictable, and it was the one I was going to lead with. This is the IWC Big Pilots Watch Perpetual Calendar Top Gun Ceritanium, fifty six thousand dollars. Well, fifty six thousand seven hundred dollars. Sorry. Limited availability. Inquire now. 
this is the, the the version of the big pilot. Um, you know, I remember years ago, I think it must have just been a, a ceramic case that Adam Craniotes, uh, one of our longtime chums, uh, Red Bar of Red Bar fame, he owns this watch in in ceramic, an um, older version of it. And then when they came out with the Ceritanium, now it comes with a, a full Ceritanium bracelet, which to me, I don't know, this watch still belongs on a strap, but I can I can overlook that. I can move it on to like a gray NATO or something. But just an incredible piece. I, I think the combination of the big pilot aesthetic, which is so, it's so IWC, it's such a tool watch, it's such a kind of classic pilot aesthetic. And then you throw this wild, very sporty looking full, you know, full complication movement behind it with, with that double moon phase display. And then um, what, what the, the perpetual calendar display on the dial has this very instrument look to it. You know, it, it almost reminds you of the instrument panel on a plane or a car or something like that. And with that, and with that big onion crown and all in black, this is just a mean looking watch. It's just a, it's a cool watch. It's, it's so technical and so dare I say masculine and, and just so IWC. And I, I just love this piece. I think it's so cool. Have you seen the variation of it, the Toto Wolf variation? It's like the IWC Lumen, if you will. It's so it's serotonium case. Um, it is a sapphire dial that's been loomed. It's so cool. Yeah, I I do like this watch. I've never really been kind of a straight up big pilot fan like the the regular, you know, steel version that they've had for many years. I just have never saw my saw myself wearing that watch. But for some reason, when I've seen this watch around, I'm like, that is so dynamic and it's just so cool. And it felt like it just fit perfectly. And like on this a list. relatively accessible QP, I guess yeah, you could say, yeah, sort yeah. of. Yeah, still in funny money territory, but yeah, exactly. Very cool pick. Hot corner for you. Yeah, Jason, <laughs> it's your hot corner. You got another pick. Oh, I get to go again. Okay, well then, this is my third pick. I'm going to go with the Blanc Pond Fifty Fathoms Eight Day Tourbillon. Ah, oh, right off my list too. <laughs> Great pick. So eight day movement with a tourbillon in a, in a forty five millimeter. 50 fathoms case with that awesome domed bezel classic, you know, 50 fathoms format with the titanium version comes, you can get it on a bracelet for some reason the the sailcloth just looks amazing Yeah, uh, on this watch. I, I've always loved the, the 50 fathoms format and you know, as weird as it looks to see this big, um, you know, open worked tourbillon right up at the top at 12 o'clock. It's, it's crazy that this is a 300 meter 50 fathoms dive watch that <laughs> has a tourbillon. I mean, how crazy would that be to go diving with this thing and look down at your wrist and see that thing spinning around while you're, you know, so nitrogen fun. narcosis at a hundred feet? I don't know. I know one person who could yeah. find out. <laughs> I mean, just <laughs> so awesome. Yeah. So yeah, they've done a couple versions. They do one that has the, it almost looks like a, a car's tachometer for the, the power reserve. Yep. And I don't That's know what year that one yeah. came out. And then they did an update, I want to say like late 2021 to kind of clean up the dial a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. I, yeah, these are like 120 to 140 euro. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. big, like big, <laughs> big money stuff, but just super fun. Yeah. The white gold one I'm looking at goes for 139,200, um, which <laughs> is serious funny money. Um, yeah. We'll need all of our bucks. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> hey, um, yeah, I, I, I love this watch. Have you ever seen one of these in person, either of you? No, no I have no. not. I wonder how many they make. Yeah, crazy. Very cool stuff. Great pick, Jason. Yeah. That's your right. three. You scooped me though, man. I'm not gonna use this one because I can't I can't do two Blanc Ponds in a row, but I was gonna throw out the fifty fathoms X. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. So I would say my last draft pick here is um from one of my favorite watchmakers, and that would be the MBNF 
Legacy Machine Split Escapement Evo. So this is uh, this is a watch that's based off of the Legacy Machine line. So you know, for those who are familiar with MBNF, or if you're not, you got two lines. You have the Horological Machines, which are the crazy inventions. You know, the Bulldogs, the Flow, etc. And then you have the Legacy Machines, which I suppose are are more recognizable as a traditional watch. Um, but all of them, of course, feature that incredible flying balance wheel. So you have this this incredibly reductive design. Um, that's still in, ludicrously well finished and thoroughly distinct, aesthetically speaking. Like this is another one of those watches where you you cannot mistake this for anything except itself. And I love how how MBNF leaned into this design and pushed what was essentially a a dress watch, I suppose you could say, into the territory of something that is a a an everyday wear for for a supremely awesome human being. <laughs> Yeah, so this watch, uh, this watch is just absolutely gorgeous to me, and represents so much of what I love about independent watchmaking. It's creative, it's thoughtful, it's totally distinct. The watchmaking is there, and it's purpose driven. Like th- this watch exists for a reason. So I, uh, I, I, a massive hat tip to Max Booser on this one. I, I love it. Yeah, that's a great pick. That really, that that's a good good way to cap your your trio there, Asher. Good one. All right. That leaves it to me to close out the draft with my third pick. I am going to go with something predictable. It's one of my all-time favorite watches, definitely among my favorite uh, modern watches, and that is the uh, Vacheron Constantin Overseas Everest Dual Time. I've talked about it a ton. Mm. I'm surprised it wasn't necessarily any of your picks. We wait, we deferred to you. I mean, I knew you were going to pick that one. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate you guys giving me some respect on that one that I've never earned. You know, I, I it's just a watch that I adore. I love the idea that you could have a Vacheron that is literally an everyday watch, like... Every day, even when you want to go for a hike. I love the coloring for these, the the titanium with the sort of uh, rich steely blue and then the orange accents. And then on top of that, a, a, you know, a, a sucker for GMT dual time complications. So this is one that the, the teaching audience, you know, I didn't pick a 5164A, as Jason mentioned in, in pick one, but I did want to get this in there. And, and also, I love the idea of my three watch collection at this point being that that bonkers AP this white gold uh, Calatrava and that that would fly way under the radar for a white gold watch. And then finally this uh, titanium Vacheron, it's kind of, it's a lot of zigs and zags in three watches. I, uh, you know that they now make a titanium bracelet for that watch too. What? Really? So I saw the titanium bracelet back when I, when they did the prototype. Yeah. Corey was wearing it on the, on the titanium and they said, please no pictures of that because we're still working on it. And it's not that they didn't, want it to be hidden they're like we literally haven't hand like it hasn't been hand finished like the rest of the case uh so they didn't want pictures of it but i, I didn't realize they were now officially offering it i i saw one so unless someone unless someone pulled a fast one on on uh, vacheron <laughs> it's it's out there <laughs> this is great now who's buying me what <laughs> can you imagine opening your watch case and having those three whatever three you picked like stare back at you every morning i mean here we are with our you know the watches we're wearing today. Like imagine if you didn't have those and all you had were these three, I'd be pretty happy. I'd be terrified. <laughs> yeah, true. I'd be terrified to touch any yeah. of the controls on the AP. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lest the pusher just kind of go soft <laughs> and you go, well, it's going, it's going back to Labrosse. Don't worry, James, they would be more than happy to service it. Oh, absolutely. For sure. <laughs> Nine really hilarious watches. And I like that. We, I think a lot of them kind of represent a similar vibe to the PO three. Uh, that you've got going with uh, with Collective Asher and and with um, with the folks from Armstrong. Any others on the list that you guys didn't get to that you wanted to wanted to cover? We're a little over time, so at this point, we might as well just appreciate it. Gabe wanted me to throw in, but admitted that this is totally pandering. Obviously, you got to mention the solid gold Doxa. 
I feel like. Oh, wow. I totally <laughs> forgot. Oh, oh, man. <laughs> never, never forget the solid no, cold No, certainly toxin. not. 70K for, for <laughs> yeah, a solid right, cold toxin, right. for sure. That was a really fun watch. <laughs> and the only other one that I, that was on my list that I was super, that I adore, and I just, I feel like people need to love this watch more, is the two-tone Glashute Original CQ. I just. Oh, okay. Just dig that yeah. one. Yeah, they make a nice yeah, thing, and, and yeah. it just doesn't get a lot of attention because I think, not to be unfair to them, but because I'm not saying it's at the wrong price point, it's just at a really tough price point for these days. Sure, sure. But again, we're playing with, with Monopoly money, oh, absolutely. so yeah, man. Yeah, high value Line in, it up. In, the, in the fun <laughs> box world, for sure. Jason, anything left on your list? Yeah, I had a few. I, I kind of overstocked my list with, in the fear that you guys would take all mine, but um, surprised none of us had a mm-hmm. Richard meal on there. I So one of my next pick would have been an RM32 Diver Chronograph, which I... I had to throw in there. I, I I had a chance to dive with one in in St. Bart's years ago, and and it's definitely really not my mm-hmm. taste. I would say, but sure. impressive piece, cool watch, and and Richard Mille. I mean, these are these are extremely high end watches with definite sporting intentions. I'm actually surprised none of us picked one. I think it's because I've never actually had one on my wrist, ever. And I had on my list one that Jason did have on his wrist, the twenty five oh one, the Stallone. Like backcountry survival oh, yeah. watch with the water purification yeah. tablets. Yeah, I just think that watch is so fun. Like I don't really know why it exists. It, it feels like the kind of thing where they could have said, "Hey, yeah. look, we designed this, but we probably won't bother making it," and we all would have felt the same way yeah, about right. it. <laughs> but but I, yeah. I thought it was pretty yeah. cool, and uh, and I enjoyed. I remember very much enjoying your story, Jason. I went and reread it uh, earlier this week, and it's just a, that's just a fun thing to exist. <laughs> what is the letter of responsibility like for a watch like that? I'm just curious. <laughs> Similar to when I borrowed a, a Bugatti Veyron. Okay, so so onerous. <laughs> yes. I don't, honestly, I you know what, guys? I don't think I signed anything. I mean, I was on that trip. I was in Aspen for this snow polo thing with with Richard Meal, and then Kashani was with me, and I was with Laura, the, the person who does PR for Richard Meal, and she just said, well, we arranged ahead of time, but she said, if you guys want to go use this thing and just bring it back tomorrow. <laughs> we stayed overnight at this hut up in the mountains with this thing, and I, Amazing. I actually wove that into my story. I was like, I could just like disappear over the next pass into the next county yeah, and disappear. Pull a cliffhanger and fake a, fake a plane crash, and yeah, it could have been a whole thing for sure. <laughs> I'm going to go on, yeah, right, go on a right. limb and say that that's probably a rough one to fence. Yeah. A little tough. Yeah. Little tough. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. The other stuff that I had on my list was the, you know, this IWC Aquatimer Perpetual Calendar Digital Date Month. Mm, I had the engineer version of that. That movement, the that pick, movement does yeah. not get the respect. Wild That movement is yeah, boss. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you can yeah. tell that they knew it was great and they needed to find a home where it made sense and they just never did. Uh, but to see it in a 49 millimeter dive watch... Uh, you know, and, and they made a 50th, the 50th anniversary version or a 50th version, something like that in like 2016 that was in Seritanium. So it was actually like pretty sporty looking at what the one that I pulled up was the oh, yellow yeah. gold with the black dial. <laughs> what is the market where you go that high into, into a complication world and it's also still a huge dive watch? Yeah. Yeah. Jason, the other one I had that I kind of thought you might have had on your list was that really high end version of the master compressor diving pro geographic oh yeah yeah so a, a solid gold yeah. sports watch with a mechanical depth gauge yeah i've tried to stay away from watches that had complications that were specific to a sport for some reason i thought sure. i wanted like a yeah, sports yeah. watch with like a 
high end kind of other type of complex, like a QP sure. or a you know Rotterpon Chrono. But yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah no, the, that would definitely be on a on a good short list. It's a nutty thing for sure. I had I had a kind of a boring pick, but I thought one of us might have thrown it in there. The the Langa Odysseus in Titanium. I thought I, a great pick. I don't know, kind of a boring pick, I guess. I don't know, a little too predictable. Ooh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm gonna. I, I will. I will just. I. I love that watch. I, I my my favorite watch that I own on a regular and I wear on a regular basis is a stainless steel Odysseus. Okay. I love that thing on so many different levels, but the coolest part of the titanium are the ripples on yeah. the dial. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, so, I'm just looking Yeah, at the so if photo. you zoom Ooh, in, yeah. if you zoom in and you look at the yeah. battens, it's as if you drop yes. the baton right into this like glimmering pool of water and it just sort of like ripples. It is so cool. Wow, wow. Yeah. I finally got to see the new titanium one in uh, in the in the metal at, at Watches and Wonders this year. The Odysseus is an incredible watch that's just hard to translate because it, they've they've done so many things their own way and so much of it is in detail. A hundred percent. And I I love watching people grumble about that watch and then getting a chance to handle it. And then, you know, just walking away hat in hand, just loving it. I, I it's, yeah, there's so yeah. few watches that are like that. I, it's so, it's so great. Well, look, Asher, I think this has been really fun to learn about the new project with Armin Strom, of course, and, and to see it come kind of full circle and now be live. And, and obviously it's very limited and very special and that sort of thing, but we, we really appreciate the chance to chit chat about it. And then I, at least for me sitting here, uh, the draft was super fun. This was a blast. And thank you guys for, for your interest and, and for chatting with me. And I'll add to other folks too, you know, this is, this is a really special watch and, and something that, that, that we're really excited about, but it is not the only project that we have coming. And we have aspired to and, and are happy to say that in the future, we will also have some watches at uh, more attainable price points. So for those who are listening and who are excited about what we are doing or curious, please know there will be watches that are not 25 grand. So fantastic. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening to this TGN special presentation and a special thanks to Asher and Gabe at Collective Horology for making this all possible. And we hope all of you had just as much fun listening to it as we did recording. Feel free to participate in the comments on Substack, thegreatnado.com, and let us know if we missed any of your favorite adventurous high-end watches, or maybe if there's one that doesn't exist that you'd love to see someday become a reality. Who knows? Maybe Collective can make that happen for you. (laughs) If you'd like to learn more about Collective Horology and their collaboration with Armin Strom, please visit collectivehorology.com. And thank you so much for listening. Asher, it's been a treat. Thanks, guys. Thank you.